and welcome to What Is My Podcast About? Uh, this is a podcast where every two weeks we take a little bit of a deep dive into a specific topic, talk about it for a while, and then have fun. And you guys listen and enjoy yourselves, I assume. Uh, I am your host, Peter Akeley, and I'm joined, as always, by my faithful co-hosts, Matthew Grace. Hello. And Keith Ramsey. Hey. So, how's everything going, guys? Uh, pretty good. I was introduced to a brand new VR lounge in Bedford. Ooh. And uh, my friend got me hooked on Beat Saber. Oh, Beat Saber's really fun. Beat Saber's an experience. I'll, I'll call it that. <laughs> it's it's exhausting to do it well. Oh, yeah. Well, it's just the next iteration of, you know, DDR, Guitar Hero, Beat Saber. Yeah. It's just more rhythm games, just with a new niche for it. Yeah, and a new twist. You might break a TV and force you to spend more money. Matt, do you want to tell us something about the VR lounge? <laughs> no, no, no. There's a TV involved? Well, there's three of them. So we got some... Uh, Big news going on in the world today. So yeah. Disney Plus came out just recently. Pokemon Sword and Shield just came out. The new wave of Amiibos also came out today. Also, we just recently... It wasn't today, but it was within the past week. Got the new release of the updated Sonic trailer. Oh, yeah. Uh, with yeah. the yes. updated animations, yeah. which, first of all... Praise God to those animators who actually went through the process of reanimating that entire fucking and movie. It actually looks like they may have changed some things around too yeah so things, I've, I've, i i have a bit of a conspiracy here theory here which is like one of those things you not to explain what a conspiracy theory is but i feel like this is one of the ones that's making its rounds on the internet right now which is what if sony didn't redo all of the animation from scratch but instead intentionally did shitty animation but just for the trailer with the intention of always holding back the good animation. Oh, that was very Terrible. debated there, too, because it's a, what, three-month turnaround that they're releasing this, and the yeah. movie's set to come out in a couple more months? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and even in the trailer, they have a throwaway line about Sonic talking about how good he looks now, Yeah, which means they got the voice actor to come back in and redo lines so that they could have a line of him saying he looks much yeah. better. Well, I mean, I've, just for the heck of it, I watched a side-by-side comparison of the two trailers there's and some significant differences in the new version uh the guy who's alongside sonic is just a regular dude in the original version or the original trailer anyway uh, he, was, he, he was a police officer yeah he was a state trooper specifically james yeah. james myerston for anyone wondering who we're talking about yeah and schwartz is playing sonic yeah yeah, yeah. uh so who knows maybe and i, I do really like I'm kind of excited for this. I want it to be good. Like, we're getting to that point where I'm thinking video game movies might actually be getting to that peaking point where they're actually going to start being decent. Outside of the movie side of thing, The Witcher, the trailer for that for Netflix looks really good. I'm like, yeah. yes. But I, you have to, like, kind of, like, tame yourself a bit because when the first trailer came out for this, it's like, this looks bad and I don't think the story's going to be good. And now it looks good, but I'm not sure if the story's changed enough for it. Yeah. I'm just going to watch it for a fun movie. Oh, I'm definitely going to watch it. But I want it to be good. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I want it to be spectacular, and I want it to make studios realize that big-budget video game films are an option again. Because he, here's the one thing you have to remember now. Where they caved and updated Sonic to look good, this can no longer be a dumpster fire that's just fun to watch because it's so bad. There's some stakes here now. Yeah, because if this doesn't do well, it's going to be that argument of Sony looks at this and sees, well, there's no point in listening to fans because they're not going to come out even if we do what they want we need this movie to make a shit ton of money so all the studios are like hey they listened to their fans and made all of the money there, there are stakes on this movie oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, one other thing that actually came out today as well launched today the new ninja sex party cd 
Under the Covers Volume 3. So good. It's their third cover album where they choose a whole bunch of fantastic songs. And How many beds do they go through? It's... If you listen to their normal songs, hundreds of thousands. But if you want to go chronologically <laughs> throughout the albums, they just keep going under the same covers of the same bed. Oh. Same, co- same bed, same covers, different album coming They out. have to keep changing the covers because they get covered in liquid cream and all that. Makes sense. Strawberries. That kind of fun stuff. Me and you are both huge fans of uh, Ninja Sex Party Keith. I believe you're... Aware of them, Matthew? I'm aware of them. A little traumatized by the Manticore. <laughs> Manticore. Who isn't, though? And I'm just going to call it now. Don't Fear the Reaper, probably one of the best songs in there. And same with Owner of Lonely Heart. Yes. Those two are definitely, like, the top-tier songs. All of the songs are good. Some of them, just with the nature of it being a cover album, don't exactly hold up to the original. Like, we both agree. Uh, they do a objectively good job doing a cover of Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer, but it just doesn't hold a candle to the yeah, original How do you compete with Peter Gabriel? How do you compete with any Peter, really? <laughs> yeah, I know, Peter. Mm. I mean, you're taking all of the spotlight here. Matthew, do you feel underappreciated? No. Do we have to address this again? No. Okay, that's good. Good. You've been learned good between episodes. Uh, speaking of episodes, for those who couldn't figure out from our little rhyming hint from last week, or two weeks ago, this episode is about The Nightmare Before Christmas. Disney's Tim Burton's A Nightmare Before Christmas. Just want to clarify, the 1993 film, right? Is yes. there another one? I mean, apparently there were several re-releases done in CGI and such. Oh. I assumed Matt was going to pull out, like, they did a porn parody of it or something <laughs> like that. I watched, I, watched, I, watched, <laughs> I watched it very thoroughly for this podcast. I watched it on repeat for, like, 12 hours straight. And I must say, I now understand why it's called Jack Skellington. <laughs> He's really got a bone to pick with you. I'm going to admit, I've never been a fan of Tim Burton movies, so I've never watched The Nightmare Before Christmas up until now. So when I went to search for it, I found The Nightmare Before Christmas, 1993, released 2007. I'm like, excuse me? Well, to be fair, that's probably a Disney thing, because they like to just stop releasing and then re-releasing things for the simple fact of it makes more money. Yeah. And also, I looked into it a little bit, and Disney released it under a different studio because they were afraid that it was too spooky for children to be fair it is a little bit off-brand with the rest of the disney movies they were putting out back in the 1990s <laughs> to be fair tim burton is off-brand for disney when yes about it. but uh tim burton's also phenomenal uh to be fair that movie did a lot of informing what his future movies would be like and he's hidden spooky elements in every single one of his films since then oh of course and before we get any further than this there's something i want you both to think about in the concept of this for something I want to discuss after we get through the movie and the plot points and what we have to say. The internal debate, is this a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie? Don't need to answer now. I want you to think about it as we talk through this, and then we'll give our opinions at the end. Absolutely. Okay. So to give a bit of context on why that would be a question, for those of you who don't know what the movie is about, the movie takes place largely in a fictional world called Halloween Town, where all of the Desnans... Den... Denizens. Denizens. Fuck, Peter. (laughs) Uh, Denizens of Halloween Town uh, represent different kind of spirits or monsters that make Halloween what it is. So they're all about providing all the spooks we need on Halloween. Their unofficial leader, because they do have an elected official in the form of the mayor, but their unofficial leader is Jack Skellington, the Pumpkin King. Which, uh, why is he the Pumpkin King? He's a Skelliman. He has nothing to do with pumpkins. His first scene, he comes out dressed like a... A scarecrow with a pumpkin on his head, which is probably set on fire. Yep. And, and then he jumps into a pool of acid and is never interacting with a pumpkin again. Which, I guess, when it first comes out, it's like, oh, Jack Skellington, the Pumpkin King. 
Okay, I can see that man being a Pumpkin King, but why is he called Jack Skellington? And then, oh, he's a Skelloman. Why is he the Pumpkin King? Yeah. So we realize that Jack has become a bit disillusioned with Halloween. He's become bored with the monotony year in, year out. He's done the same thing over and over again, and he's just tired of the whole routine. So he goes off on a bit of a wander, stumbles across a forest full of different doors that lead to a whole bunch of different holidays, uh, or holiday towns, and he stumbles through the Christmas town door, immediately becomes enamored with Christmas because it's so completely different from Halloween. Something he's never seen before, and it fills his heart with joy. So he studies it, tries to understand everything about it, ends up deciding they're going to do their own version of Christmas. Santa gets kidnapped, as he does in pretty much every movie that's related to (laughs) Christmas. First they kidnap the Easter Bunny, though. First they do kidnap the Easter Bunny, and then they do their own version of Christmas. It's a fucking tragic mess. And Santa saves the day, as he does. And uh, one thing to also mention with this movie is it's equal parts, you know, a holiday movie and a musical. Yeah. Uh, so many good songs through this. This is Halloween is the opening. Uh, uh, we also have What's, what's This, this when he first gets yeah. to Christmas Town, which is phenomenal. Uh, my personal favorite, The Boogie Woogie Man. Oogie Boogie, yeah, that's a phenomenal one. I'm also a big fan of Jack's Lament, which is the one where, after the Halloween song, when he's singing about how fucking boring his life has become, that one's also yeah, really That was song. probably my favorite one. Uh, now, one thing I do want to... It, it catches me really quickly when I get into the movie is uh, when he goes to the forest and he meets all the tree areas there. Yeah. There's doors for a lot of holidays that I'm a bit curious about because there's one that's a turkey, which is clearly Thanksgiving Town. Uh, so what is Thanksgiving Town? <laughs> okay, that's not the one I have the most amount of curiosity for. Well, there's also the Egg in the Heart, so there's Valentine's, Valentine's Town and there, Easter Town. There's also a four-leaf clover, so that's probably St. Patrick's Day Town. Yeah. There's another one, though, which is just a fucking candle. What is the candle for? Uh, My only inclination maybe is... Maybe it's Hanukkah Town? It might be Hanukkah. It might be Hanukkah Town. My or feelings New is, Year's, maybe? It, my thought was New Year's, but that also feels weird <laughs> and a stretch. Generic birthday? <laughs> birthday town. <laughs> birthday town. They're always celebrating there because everyone else only has one day a year. They have every day of the year. It's someone's fucking birthday. <laughs> Which, the whole concept of Jack stumbling upon Halloween, like, Halloween Town, Christmas Town, and being so blown away by this just makes less sense when you get further into this because the real world exists. They're aware of their impact on the real world with spooks. But they don't know what Santa Claus is. Yeah. They, to the point where they hear the name Santa Claus and they assume it's some massive creature with giant claws. Yeah, they think it's like they make so many jokes yeah. about treating him like a lobster. Yeah, through because this he's dressed in red. So he's they think bright he's red a, and has claws. He's clearly a lobster. Demonic since he travels the world and visits everyone. <laughs> he's large and demanding. Yeah, so it's fascinating that like they have this knowledge of the real world. They realize that Halloween is a day that exists in the real world. And their sole purpose is to make Halloween as big as possible. But also have no idea that, like, anything else exists with regards to the real world. And also, That's the only day they're aware of. And also, as I should point out, at the beginning of the movie, when everyone's returning from a successful Halloween completed, the mayor's giving out rewards or awards to all the townsfolk. The vampire gets uh, an award for sucking the most blood during Halloween. Well, let's not forget this movie after the big opening moment, which is This is Halloween. And we're getting Jack, like, before we realize he's just losing the stuff. All these monster women are after Jack Skellington's bone zone. Yes. Quite literally. Oh, yeah. Also, quick part of clarification. It's not for sucking the most blood. It's for draining the most blood. True. Which might mean that they're not actually sucking blood. They're just, like, plumbers uh, in the monster <laughs> world. And they're clearing the drains that are stuck full of blood. Okay. Who knows? Maybe that, but on the other side of the coin, 
It's like, the human world would probably be aware of all these creepy crawly things, and uh, points later on in the movie do lay emphasis on that. Yeah, they have to be aware of it, because the fact that Santa Claus is a thing isn't shocking to them at all, but they're still quite shocked that this monster man is taken out, like, hmm, I wonder who the culprit could be in this world that we know about all these days. Yeah. Yeah, just skeleton flying through the sky with skeleton reindeer being shot down by the military. Also, it's no, surprising. Oh, okay. it's just... Sorry, to go back to that scene where the military is shooting down this skeleton out of the sky, the course of events, if you're watching the movie during that scene, is children get shitty presents, children complain to their parents, parents call exactly one cop because the only cop on earth is answering all of the The world phones. cop. That one cop Which, calls the military and that the military is, shoot down his The sled. world cop is a movie I want to see in this universe. <laughs> I want to see a cop who's the, he's the only cop who, he's the only dispatcher for the entire world where anytime someone has a crime, they call him and he calls the relevant resources, which in this case is the military, who all collectively work together to shoot down Jack as he flies over the world. And how does Jack not know what a gun is? I, I love that scene where they're firing off rockets and there's a couple near misses. And it's like, ah, oh, they're celebrating. They're having such a good time and want to thank me. You're welcome, boys, but you're getting a little close to my ship. But that's the, the, kind of the charm of, I guess, Jack Skeleton. Because obviously he's like this big badass that everyone loves. But he's also not quite all there when it comes to some logical thinking. Yeah. yeah. It seems he's more about himself and his own interests. To the point that he doesn't care about the rest of the world until it actually matters to him. It's like, I have to find something else that I need in my life. Oh, definitely. And it's not to say that he's completely internalized either. Because when he finds Christmas Town, his immediate reaction is, I want to share this with Halloween Town to make them feel the way I feel about it. Yeah. yeah. And then he tries to explain it to everyone in Halloween Town. And, like, everyone does not get it and thinks it's just a later form of Halloween that happens in the year. He's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, there's... Super fun, cool things. And then they he finally is like, oh, you want to hear about bad stuff? Well, let me tell you about Santa Claus. And he's like, all right, I can't get you on board with the rest of this because you still want to scare people. But Santa Claus, y'all love. And to be fair, it's not everyone in Halloween Town that doesn't get it. There is another character that understands it. And that would be Sally the Ragdoll, the other lead of this uh, movie. Yep. Yep. Sally immediately gets it, but also much more quickly than Jack gets that it's a terrible fucking idea for them to try and recreate it. Because she somehow has a vision. Yeah, that's never addressed of why she has the ability to see prolific visions by picking flowers. I think she just hallucinated the flower turning into a tree and the tree catching I mean, fire. I mean, she drugs her creator I was gonna say, on that's like not too surprising. Basis. She's probably dipping into her own stash with how much she's yeah. giving to the doctor. Clearly really? Dr. Frankenstein. Dr. Finkelstein. Finkelstein. Yeah. Um, and what? I think it's five times over the course of the movie, she drugs him with deadly nightshade. Well, between the times we actually see her do it and the times he mentions her having done it, it's five yeah. times he gets drugged with deadly nightshade. So he, he is definitely my least favorite character in the movie, and he just clearly loves himself. Even more personified by the fact that he takes half of his brain, sticks it into some demented, like, female... A Frankenstein. Female, a female version of himself, to clarify. Yeah. It's the exact same head shape as him. He makes well, a female version of himself, gives it half his brain, and makes love to that. Well, he's even making the joke when he's doing it, too. Well, not the joke so much. It's like, finally, someone to talk to! <laughs> Puts half his brain into that one. Like, it's pretty funny how big of a deal Sally escaping away and him trying to put her on a leash just completely gets brushed away. He's like, fine, I'll make my own person who will talk to me. He's like, this yeah. didn't work the first time. Yeah, because well, he first... spent the first chunk of time... Trying to ta- track down Sally. And it's not until 
Jack gives him the task of creating the reindeers. That he's like, all right, I'll forget about that for a second. Do this one thing for Jack, my hero, my bud, my boy. Uh, and then he ends up creating these reindeer. And while creating the reindeer, stumbles across a skull that's the exact shape of his. And that's what gives him the idea. I'm just going to fucking make a female version of myself. And that's who I'll love for the rest of time. And when on the topic of the scientists as well. To get to the point of deciding he's going to steal Christmas is probably one of my favorite things, which is Jack trying to find the scientific method. Like, he actually pulls out a book says, hmm, how am I going to figure out Christmas? I know. Pulls a book that's just titled Scientific Method, and then immediately decides science is the way to solve this. Yeah. He starts by reading all of the different Christmas carols and Christmas uh, storybooks and all that stuff. Decides they are not helpful to him, so pulls out the scientific method. That leads to one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. Which is when he goes to the doctor to get items, the tools to do these scientific experiments. The, the doctor's like, oh, you want tools? What for? He's like, ah, I want to do some scientific experiments. And the doctor, as a way of saying that this is a great idea, he goes, ah, well, you do know that curiosity killed the cats. And Jack's like, yes, of course. That's good. I know. <laughs> like, yeah, well, to be fair, he just says, I know. Yeah. <laughs> like that inflection, too. Yeah. Like like they weren't even having a conversation. <laughs> it, it takes the opposite tone where normally in our world... Curiosity killed the cat is the kind of phrase where it's like, curiosity's a dangerous thing, you know, whereas in their world, curiosity's fucking phenomenal. A plus for feeling curiosity. You could kill another cat with that. <laughs> and this whole segment, too, has a lot of good visual gags, too. Like the part where he's trying to figure out, like, how to make the paper snowflakes is cut into it, and he opens it, it's just a spider. Yeah. I, l I legitimately spit out my drink at that point. <laughs> I was not expecting that. I also really enjoyed the uh, scene where he actually writes out the formula for Christmas. And if you look real closely at the formula, the first chunk is chestnuts divided by open fire. So it just says chestnuts over an open fire. <laughs> <laughs> Santa Claus equals Christmas, question mark. Yeah. I liked when he crushed up the ornament, sprinkled it into a glass vial, and it turned green and made a puff of smoke. He's like, hmm, an interesting reaction. But what does it mean? <laughs> it's, a, it's a central plot of this movie. What does it mean? Yeah. I also love how they kind of... So one of my favorite songs from the whole movie is What's This? The, scene where, or the song where he's going through Christmas time. I love how they kind of mirror it at the end where like clearly throughout the whole film, no one else in Halloween Town understands the appeal of Christmas and they yeah. just want to do Halloween 2.0. But then at the end of the film, after Santa Claus kind of saves the day, he ends up doing a flyby over Halloween Town, which raises even more questions because now does that mean that the different holiday towns are going to start interacting with each other more directly? Whatever. Who cares? Uh, so he flies over and it starts snowing and immediately everyone in the town starts going, what's this? What's this? There's something in the air. And I'm like, yes, you all get it now. You fucking understand, you pieces of shit. You understand you did wrong. Well, Santa knows everything. He knows everyone. He's kind of creepy that way. Halloween town? No, they just care about scaring people. And now to add on to the what's this too, is the funny thing about this is up to this point, Jack goes missing. The mayor's trying to find him. Because the awesome line is like, Jack, I can't make decisions on my own. I'm an elected official. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. when Jack comes back to Halloween Town, he's riding in like a snowmobile carrying a sack of stuff. I'm like, no one in Christmas Town recognized who Jack was later on. Even Santa Claus was surprised when he saw him. Which means Jack didn't go around asking or buying the stuff. No, he, he stole literally stole yeah. a snowmobile and a bunch of shit from Halloween from Christmas Town and brought it back to Halloween Town, which just adds more to like how aloof Jack is as a person. Yeah. His whole plan revolves around kidnapping Santa, so I don't think just stealing a couple items is that much farther below him which uh, on that note as well he sends three children to go steal yes. santa claus three well he gives them very vague uh, directions which is head into the woods with all the holiday doors go through the one to christmas town and steal the big wig in charge i assume that is the directions they gave him and then they tell him santa claus 
So the first thing they do is they come back with the Easter Bunny and he doesn't say, no, this is clearly wrong. Look, it's a giant bunny or something like that. He says, no, you went through the wrong door. Go through this door and shows them like the Christmas tree ornament, which means like, yeah, he gave them the most vague directions and they did surprisingly fucking well with those. Yeah. I mean, they caught a giant bunny. Yeah. And they also, caught the Easter Bunny first. Also, considering when they get Santa Claus, they give them to Oogie Boogie. Yeah. Should we just assume the Easter Bunny's dead in this universe? Oh yeah, the Easter Bunny's oh, yeah. absolutely been killed off. That's what I wanted The moment to... he said return them and apologize, they thought about it, realized that was too much work, and just took him to Oogie Boogie's hole and dumped him down there. Yeah, because that's immediately what I thought when I first saw the scene they kidnapped the Easter Bunny first. I was like, oh, take Easter Bunny back. Okay, but did they really? Do they even know how to get back to where they got the Easter Bunny? <laughs> they were literally told to make Santa Claus comfortable, and their response was, oh, well, let's throw him down with Oogie Boogie. No. Clearly, they're not ones for following <laughs> The most orders. comfortable place yeah. of all. Yeah. But at this point, I want to point out a uh, little bit of symbolism that I stumbled across. The three tricksters of Halloween, the three little kid trick-or-treaters, yeah. they're the servants of Oogie Boogie, the boogeyman. The boogeyman is some sort of creature with no actual description of what it's supposed to look like, but it's just a tale told pretty much all around the world by parents to their kids. Hey, if you don't behave yourself, you're going to... Uh, Get the boogeyman after you. Yeah, if there's one thing I learned from the first John Wick movie, it's that Keanu Reeves is the boogeyman in, yeah. uh, what was it, like, Poland? Was that the country that all the bad guys came from? So something like that. Yeah. But, uh, no, the boogeyman is the personification of evil just coming back to bite you in the behind for kids in that world. And these kids of Halloween Town, where their only goal in life is to cause mischief and scare people they these tricksters themselves worship the boogeyman essentially and i really like how they play the boogeyman in this one he's probably the most fun character in the whole thing and that's saying something with the other fun characters he's just playing psychotic yeah and he's like got an insane gambling i love how he plays up the fact that oh we're gonna do this all by a game of chance but i'm gonna cheat yeah, uh, there's, no, gonna, there's no denying that. We're going to play a game of chance to see if you live or die, but it will not be a fair game of chance. We even see that at the end when, like, he's rolling the dice and whatever number he rolls is how many times he cranks the lever to dump them into the pot of lava. Yeah. And he's like, rolls it and he's like, oh, snake eyes. Uh, fooey. And then he knocks the dice and rolls an 11. And he's like, looks like you die. But to be honest, they were going to die anyway. He just made it happen a little faster. Yeah. Although... He didn't actually make it happen. That's when we realized that even Oogie Boogie is fucking horrified of Jack Skellington. Jack Skellington replaces him. He's like, oh, fuck, no. I done goofed. I'll do what I can, but I'm probably not going to survive I mean, this situation. I, I don't know if he's that scared of Jack because he also tries to kill him immediately after. <laughs> he does, but he definitely seems shocked when Jack first arrives. I oh, mean, yeah. Where the hell did Jack come from, honestly? Uh, God only. Because there's a lot of, like, lo leaps in logic you have to, Again, it's a short movie. It's an hour and 17 minutes long. They have to cut out some things. Yeah. Jack immediately knows where Santa and Sally are at the end of the movie. Which, he travels back to Halloween Town through a crypt in a graveyard. Yes. Yes. Does that mean all graveyards lead to Halloween Town? Or he just happened to crash into the one gateway back to Halloween and, and Town. does that mean there's gateways to other holiday towns through everyday normal locations in our world? Well, yeah, we already know that at the back of every closet is a door to Christmas Town. It's just those dumb kids thought it was called Narnia, not Christmas Town. Ah, I see. Sorry, wardrobes, not closets. What that, am I talking about? You, yeah. you have to climb to a cornucopia to get to Thanksgiving Town. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason most people don't go there is you got to be real small to fit into the cornucopia. Got to climb up a uh. rabbit's asshole to get to Easter Town. Now, uh, what we're still talking about... <laughs> 
sorry. <laughs> Feel free to cut that one out. So, one thing I want to talk about we're still on the topic of Boogie Boogie in his lair. There's a scene I don't think I ever caught when I was younger, but Sally trying to save uh, Santa, and she seduces Oogie Boogie by putting her uh, leg that's removed through the door, and he's like, oh boy, and he walks over, and his immediate move is he removes her shoe and starts tickling, goes, Gucci Gucci Goo, yeah. Gucci Gucci Goo, tickle, 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 and like, I, so I forgot that scene as well, <laughs> yeah. and I was expecting it to pay off in some way of like, her chuckling when he's tickling her, and that's what like, because it's shown multiple times that when she removes the body parts from her, she still has complete control over them. So I assumed it was going to be one of those things where like he tickles it and then she ends up giggling away and that's what causes him to realize. But no, it's just he notices that it's not a complete body. <laughs> but like, why? Why Why did he tickle? Why did that have to be a scene that was included in the movie? Because we need to know that Oogie Boogie has a foot fetish. Oh, because you look a little deeper. They say that people are only ticklish if they were uh, touched in those places, like tickled there by their parents when they were infants. So if you're not ticklish, your parents never tried to tickle you there. So, Sally the Ragdoll was never loved by the person who made her. He never tried to tickle her. She never had any affection. Uh, I'm going to throw in a quick interjection. He may never have tried to tickle her, but he definitely touched her. Mm. That's probably true. Uh, got it. This is Halloween town. Kind of got to concede that. <sighs> okay, my soul hurts now. Anyway, moving on, moving on. <laughs> I think the main reason Oogie was scared that Jack Skellington showed up was because he had just heard... That Jack Skellington was blown to smithereens. Which, when you think about it, shouldn't really... But also, Sally definitely expected him to be scared of Jack because of the fact that when they're uh, having that conversation and he's first tying her up, she says, Oh, you bastard, if you don't release me and Santa right now, Jack's gonna... You're gonna hear it from Jack when he gets back to town. And, like, she clearly tries to invoke Jack's name to scare Oogie Boogie and it gives Oogie Boogie like a moment of pause and right at that time the mayor yeah, starts parading through and telling that Jack's <laughs> Which, blown to smithereens. Of course, okay, he's gonna go through Halloween Town announcing to everyone, oh, Jack's dead. But then he's out in the middle of goddamn nowhere driving by just to deliver that message at the right time. Just to deliver it specifically to Oogie Boogie because that's the only one he can assume he's giving that information Which, to. Which, at the same time, why do the Halloween Town people think Jack's dead? Yeah, he gets hit and falls like shatters the only thing really happens is his jaw falls off as we see yeah but he's been lit on fire sally throws herself out of a window multiple times <laughs> and reassembles herself yeah. and jack can take off his head willingly he plays fetch with his dog by pulling out one of his rib cages it's literally a line in one of his songs is he can take off his head and perform shakespearean songs why would his head falling off be a sign that he's dead? Also, at the same time, Jack also knows Shakespearean songs, but is completely oblivious to most of the real world stuff. That's a good point I had not considered before. Yeah. Jack Skelton is pre pretty much a stupid Mr. Worldwide. Yeah, he's like, has the awareness of everything around him, but none of like the context to know what it means or how to use it to better his plans. He just, like, I love the, another example of this is like, uh, when the Halloween Towns first starts kind of assembling their version of Christmas and they all start singing about the different things they're doing and one woman has the line of uh, look at me I turned this rat into uh, a hat a hat and then Jack comes along and he's like oh great work but what if instead of a rat you use a bat and it's like that's not better Jack <laughs> <laughs> kind of sad that they didn't go with the cat playoff cat in the hat but they did do a rat which would be found in a cat that's, that's kind of horrifying 
very horrifying that you wanted them to smatter a cat flat and then turn it into a hat. I mean, they did it to a rat. It's another animal. Uh, my favorite thing, too, about all of this, like, insanity around it, too, with all the characters. Because all the Halloween Town characters are insane in their own way. So yeah. Sally being in this just makes it so much better. Because she's clearly the straight man to everything going on. She's the one who realizes it's a bad idea. And uh, one of the best scenes with her and Jack is... The big, one of the big uh, plot points of this whole movie is the love story of her wanting to be with Jack and Jack being so lost up his own ass, essentially. That, that he doesn't, doesn't yeah. have and, the least bit of awareness. And it's personified so great in the scene where he's like, I want you to make my Santa suit. And she's trying to tell him like things are a bad idea, but he's only focused on the suit. It's like, no, this won't work. It's like, I have confidence you can make this suit perfectly yeah. fine. No, in Christmas. No, she's like, oh, this is gonna be a tragedy. He's like, oh, no, it's very simple. It's just red with the white ghost. She's like, no, we can't do this. He's like, no, 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 you have perfect sewing skills. She's like, Christmas is a terrible idea. He's like, oh, great, good job. We'll do fantastic together. We'll all do terrible together. He's like, no, just things will not turn out right. Hmm, you're right, something is missing. Then the kids pull up Santa Claus. We got him. Oh, that's what's missing. The hat. The hat. <laughs> now we're set. There's also so many, like, you know, big problems that come up in this movie. They just kind of brush by super quick in relation to that. Like the part where she's like, oh, I know, I'm going to stop Christmas by making everything foggy. And he's sitting there and the fog goes like, oh no, we can't see anything. How are we going to do this? And then Zero just shows up and he's like, oh, that's it. Zero, you're in charge. Well, you got to well, remember. Like that one was definitely just an homage to the old Ra uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer yeah, story. And also previously... We, in a previous scene, we saw that Jack had memorized every single Christmas carol, including Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> I just enjoyed how quickly they just brushed by that. Like, it wasn't yeah. even an issue. Yeah. It was an issue for half a second, and then it was immediately resolved. I also... So, another thing I really like about... To go back to Oogie Boogie for a second, uh, is during the intro song, while he doesn't specifically sing, we see what is very clearly his shadow on the moon singing... And that's where we realize that Oogie Boogie is essentially the god of nightmares and that he is responsible for every bad dream you have. I don't remember the exact writing, but he's responsible for all nightmares on earth is what he says during that song, which means that in the end, Jack ends up killing Oogie Boogie. So nightmares are just over I mean, in that be, universe. Too. To be fair, Jack doesn't kill Oogie Boogie. Santa Claus gets the final blow in there. Yeah. And we, this, we also find out that Oogie Boogie is the equivalent to three kids on each other's shoulders in a trench coat trying to get into a movie. Well, also, I think based on what happened in that scene, it's one kid who has coerced thousands of kids to get under the trench coat with it. <laughs> More so get into a, a, like a potato sack. Yeah. Cause it's, and draw uh, a face on it. A shoddy Wait. potato sack that's falling apart, which is how he was taken out, just by pulling a loose seam. Yeah, so throughout the first chunk of the movie, Oogie Boogie is presented as this like potato sack monster that has bugs kind of spilling out of him every time he opens his mouth or something like that. Uh, but then... In the end, uh, one of his seams comes a little bit loose. Jack pulls it, rips him in two, and then it's just revealed he's just an amalgam of thousands of bugs underneath this potato sack. And they all start falling into the lava and dying, except one walks away giving Oogie Boogie's voice, and Santa Claus just crushes that shit. But that means, canonically in this universe, there is one cop for the whole world. Easter no longer works because the holidays only work because of holiday towns, and the Easter Bunny is dead. So Easter is just like a weird holiday that used to exist and nobody has nightmares anymore. So you have to assume the kids are now going to assume somehow the Easter Bunny was responsible for nightmares. Now, this also takes a bit of an interesting turn when you look at things because there is a continuation to this story. There's a comic series called Zero's Journey, which is the next Christmas and Zero gets lost in Christmas Town, and they have to save Christmas again. 
I remember that. That was... I, oh, I have very clear memories of that, but I feel like it was a very weird animation... Or not animation style, but art style for that comic book. But I could also just be thinking of... Like, an animated, uh, not-on-the-books version of Zero's Journey. Ugh, fuck, ignore me. I just... Zero's Journey is bringing up weird memories in my head right now. Yeah, and so Zero's Journey is not, like, too crazy of a story. It's literally just kind of, kind of like, traveling around, stuck in Christmas Town. But this leads me to my other idea of if there was going to be more in this world, like, if they built on it, what do you think the other towns would be like? That's a fantastic question. So, first of all... St. Patrick's Day Town, which is the four-leaf clover one, I assume that St. Patrick's Day Town, is one of two things. It's either a bunch of leprechauns doing more mischief, kind of like Halloween Town, or it's just a bunch of drunk Irishmen. It's one or the other. <laughs> I don't know which. I prefer to it just be a town full of alcoholics. Why not just drunk leprechauns? Ooh, that's also an option. They're drunk all year round until they have to go to St. Patty's Day to do their mischief. <laughs> and that's why they're assholes when we meet them. Because they have a hangover. <laughs> they just have the worst fucking hangover. <laughs> so we also have Easter Town. Yeah, uh, we, we see the Easter Bunny, who's clearly leader. Easter Bunny. So I like the idea of a sequel that takes place in an Easter Town that has lost its Easter Bunny because the Easter Bunny has been fed to the fucking That's true. Oogie Boogie. So we end up seeing Easter Town. It's full of, I don't know, probably like chicken, like chickling ducklings. Ducklings. Would it be rabbits? Chicks. Uh, I feel like it tends to be like chicks and ducklings. Because there's those Cadbury commercials where it's clearly the Easter Bunny laying the eggs. I feel like all three of like the young springtime animal have ties to Easter. So I feel like mm -hmm. it would be just a whole bunch of wildlife creatures like living in Easter Town and no like actual like sentient beings other than the Easter Bunny. Or what if it's just Jesus turning things into chocolate? <laughs> it's just Jesus walking around like doing the Midas touch except everything he touches becomes chocolate. Yeah. Oh, poor hollow chocolate bunnies. <laughs> Wait, does that mean that they started off as real bunnies that were hollowed out and then turned into chocolate? Or does that mean they started out as real bodies that were turned into chocolate then hollowed out? Yes. I feel really bad for anyone who's deeply offended at us right now for all this <laughs> Jesus talk. We're just trying to figure out how the bunnies were before we turned them into chocolate. We have built up a canon where Jesus walks around hollowing out bunnies and then turning them into chocolate. <laughs> Oh boy, we're going to get some angry letters about this one. He also makes them lay eggs. <laughs> he gives them that very interesting power. <laughs> he fucks with the whole natural cycle. <gasps> I got it. Jesus also spends a large portion of his time in St. Patrick's Day town, getting very drunk and coming up with great ideas to take over to Easter town. <laughs> I mean, you say this is bad, but it can't be any better than what we're going to come up with Valentine's Day town. Oh God. Let's, I mean, let's just move right past yeah. Valentine's Day now, because it's just going to be a red light district. That's Yeah, just look, look at the owner, Cupid. I mean, come on. Because we also have to keep in mind, this also has to be from the mind of Tim Burton. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not going to be anything that would ever show up in a kid's movie. Let's just put it that way, move past, everyone knows what we're talking about. <laughs> so we still have Thanksgiving Town and Candle Town, which I'm going to call New Year's Town, because I can't think of a yeah. better example for it. Thanksgiving, all I can picture is just pilgrims and native americans around a table before they start killing each other oh no because it's been that way for hundreds of years because this town has always existed since we've been celebrating thanksgiving it's literally just warring tribes of native americans and pilgrims well no because that if, if thanksgiving town is the thing that opens up a much better question of how do these towns come into existence does the holiday need to exist or have they always existed which means has there been the pre in this world the preconceived notion that eventually the europeans and the natives are going to meet well that's a fantastic question no because 
They've always been like that. They started the whole ordeal. <laughs> so, they started the conflict. So Easter, Christmas are both ones that have huge roots in like pagan rituals and all this stuff. Uh, Saturnalia and all that fun stuff. They were celebrations that existed that Christianity kind of adopted and put their own little cloak over top of. Which means that like those trees have clearly existed if it is one of those things where like the holiday begins to exist and then a world comes into existence for it. Those trees have existed far longer than any of the other trees. So I love the idea of just like fucking one day some Europeans come over to visit North America and then all of a sudden there's just a tree full of warring tribes alongside <laughs> these ancient Hall or Christmas and uh, Easter trees. Now, is there any holidays that we didn't see that like should have a tree, do you think? I got a shitty idea for a tree, but I love the idea of an Arbor Day tree. It's a tree with a door in it, but you open it up and it's just the tree. There is nothing on the other side of the door. Because like what? I guess, again, at the same time, Tim Burton... Of course, most stuff's going to be, like, North American-centric for, like, the holidays and stuff. But, like, I'm just trying to imagine, like, a Chinese New Year tree and what that would entail. Speaking of Chinese New Year, uh, Koi from the other episode who was still watching Pixar. You, uh, caught up to us yet? Is it Chinese New Year yet? Let us know. That's something I really, I really hope he's listening to that on Chinese New Year. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope he, like, hears that one and, like, in a point of pride, tries to catch up by watching another episode, and here's this one, and we're still calling him out for listening to it on Chinese New Year. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, let's see, what else uh, happened? What other Halloween, or not Halloween, holiday towns would be cool if they existed? Cyber I, Monday tree. <laughs> oh, dear God. I, I love the idea of there being, like, a second smaller tree right behind the Thanksgiving tree that's just Canadian Thanksgiving tree. <laughs> It's just a whole bunch of people being real polite to each other on the other side. Instead of Thanksgiving, it's your welcome giving. <laughs> well, it's just the American Thanksgiving one is warring tribes of Native Americans and pilgrims. Whereas it's the exact same groups of people in the Canadian Thanksgiving one, but they're all just apologizing for the wars in the other town. <laughs> There's a lot of songs in this one. What do you think the best song in this is? I, I, would say, I think Oogie Boogie has definitely got the best song. My favorite's definitely What's This. No, I like the Jack's Lament song. The thing I like about What's This is it's pretty much, if you had to describe the song to anyone, it's pretty much just ADD in song form. Yeah. There's no other way around it. That's what the song is fully. It's just someone immediately being caught off guard by a whole bunch of things, and every time they like mention something, a new thing takes their attention away from it. Also, there's a lot of... Uh craziness in that scene too just him he's breaking into people's houses and like cuddling up to the children yeah he like checks under the bed to see monsters and he's like what there's nothing hiding under the bed and then like gets real close to a kid and like starts singing softly because he's next to the kid and then like shouts very loudly what's this and runs away and the kid wakes up and he's like huh what was that and jack's already off singing in a different area <laughs> Also, during this entire time, presumably pilfering the town while he sings. Yeah. Because, like, no one in Halloween Towns knows, uh, no one in Christmas Town knows who he is or, like, has any idea that the other towns exist at this point. Otherwise, Santa would definitely know about this. But Jack does collect a whole assortment of things during the yeah. song. Also, just on a side note, I do want to point out how much Jack Skellington looks like Slenderman. <laughs> Because like, if you look at art of Slenderman or just various depictions, there's always these weird black tendrils snaking off behind him. Jack Skellington's collar kind of looks like those black tendrils, and he's tall with a white face and long white fingers and just a black suit. Maybe a sequel? Jack Skellington versus the Slenderman? Are you trying to say that Jack Skellington is the Slenderman? 
And just like how all these holidays propagate uh, throughout our world, Jack Skellington has also just kind of, through random visits, been seen as Slenderman repeatedly. Well, maybe. I like that idea. Also, uh, maybe it wasn't just a snowmobile and a bag of Christmas goodies that he uh, took with him when he left Christmas Town. Human corpses? Elf corpses? Is that what you're suggesting? I mean, maybe. Fascinating. I like it. I mean, I can't say it didn't happen. I, I have no definitive proof of everything he pulled out of that box. Exactly. We only saw what he set up on the stage to present Christmas to the members of Halloween Town. This whole movie is done in stop motion, aside from a few things where there's some CG and, of course, uh, Zero uh, is, his hand is hand-drawn onto the film itself. Yeah. It's really impressive, like... And this isn't the only stop motion Tim Burton has done, too. It, it's one of the better stop motions. Oh, yeah. It's still at that point where, like, there are later stop motions that are done where they can fit in more frames and they can take the smaller steps. So you still see a little bit of skitteriness at certain points when, yeah. like, things are moving quickly. Even still, there were some points in the movie where I was able to forget that it was stop motion. Oh, definitely. Yeah, there's definitely some scenes where, like, you forget that it's stop motion. There are other scenes where, like, it gets stuttery. But, yeah, for the most part, it is one of the better stop-motion films uh, out there. Yeah, I, I think, uh, mm-hmm. like, if I had to say, like, what the best stop-motion I've probably ever seen was, it's probably Chicken Run. Chicken Run was but that's also, like, the last stop-motion I remember ever seeing. I think Coraline I would probably put as oh, yeah, yeah. better. Yeah, Coraline was also stop-motion. Uh, I still have fond memories of the stop-motion Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> I have fond memories of it. I would not call it the best stop motion. No, not at all. It's the pinnacle we need. <laughs> we never should have made movies after that. We had already achieved perfect movie. There is some very serious debate when it comes to Nightmare Before Christmas. And this Are we is going, going back to, to go the... back to that your earlier question that you wanted us to think about. So I've always been of the viewpoint myself that it's neither a Christmas or Hollow movie. It's a middle, like joining. So you watch it in November, hence Doing this episode in the middle of November. But what do you guys think on this? I've always, I've had a similar mindset where I don't really consider it directly tied to either holiday, even though it has ties to both of them. But I do link it closer to Halloween than to uh, Christmas. Like, I would always watch it in, like, the first little bit of November, more so than, like, the later bit of November. Mm -hmm. That's when it usually makes the most sense to me. It's, like, a week or two after after Halloween. Now... I'm kind of in the same boat as you guys. I'd also put it in the middle between the two, but I'd lean it closer to being more of a Christmas movie than a Halloween movie. Ooh, Ooh. debate. Fascinating. Because I, I, I have a, I have a rug I'm going to pull it out of you guys in a moment, but I want to see where you go, both go with Don't this. Don't tell me it's a Thanksgiving movie. We'll find out in a second, Matt. <laughs> it's clearly a Thanksgiving movie. It takes place during November, and American Thanksgiving takes place during November, Matt. All right, all right. Yeah, I've always just considered it more of a Halloween movie. There's, like, yes, references to Christmas and, like, to, like, go back to my argument against Die Hard being a Christmas movie, just because it takes place during Christmas uh, doesn't make it a Christmas movie. It's largely, like, 95% of the film takes place in Halloween Town. It's all about these characters whose main goal is to spook people around them. It's just, it's never felt like a... cheery feel better christmas movie it's always felt like something a little bit spooky and creepy which makes it more of a halloween movie to myself whereas me sure it's got that halloween spooky feeling but that's because it takes place in halloween town where all of the residents are spooky scary creatures and just like other christmas movies like the national lampoon's christmas vacation the vast majority of the movie takes place 
during the time up to Christmas. Not, well, some of the movie takes place during Christmas, but not a large portion of it. And a lot of Christmas movies have some sort of message that they're trying to convey or some sort of lesson they're trying to teach the main character, which is very much something that Jack experiences in this movie. He feels all lost and disoriented about his life. He has no idea why he's continuing to do the same thing over and over again. He's just tired of it all. And he wants a new lease on life, tries something different. He finds some new spark that he wants to explore. But then at the end, he discovers, oh, this is fun and all, and it's reignited my original purpose in life. I have found myself again. Now, uh, for what I think, I want to preface this by saying, regardless of it falling to a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie, November is still the ideal time to watch yeah. this. This is a great transition 100%. movie, regardless. But something happened while I was watching this movie. I had like an almost like an epiphany moment watching it, and I actually feel this is 100% a Christmas movie. And the reason for that is... But before you say that, I also want to point out the fact that Christmas movies, Santa Claus always flashes by and does something at the end of Christmas movies very frequently. Like, well, in this, uh, this here, it's like, oh no, we're most of the way through Christmas Eve. It might be too late to save Christmas. Do you think you can help us, Santa? Of course I can. I'm freaking Santa Claus. Touches the nose and flies up through the chimney. And that is one of the reasons I started thinking more of this as a Christmas movie, uh, because of the fact that Santa Claus does save the day at the end. But when you boil down the idea and the concept of this movie, yeah, it's Jack Skellington going through like the, like loss of meaning and stuff like that. And then it gets replaced by him trying to find the meaning of Christmas. That's his whole goal for doing this. He wants to be Santa Claus and run Christmas because he wants to find the meaning and well, share it with the rest of the people of Halloween Town. Now, that's part of the reason why I don't put it fully into a Christmas movie is because I don't think he's trying to find the meaning of Christmas. He sees the meaning of Christmas but doesn't quite grasp it. He gets the feeling of warmth and happiness and wanting to share it. Yeah, but at the but, end he understands Christmas and yeah, it's he, that he realizes I don't need to run Christmas to enjoy it and I can spend Christmas like it's actually about being with the people I care about and that's him getting with Sally at the end. I suppose. But it's not it's more him reigniting his love of scaring people less uh Less he's found joy in sharing happiness. So. It ends with a white Christmas. It ends with white Christmas. <laughs> all well and good, fantastic points. I just, first of all, it doesn't have any of the hallmarks of a Christmas movie. He's not searching for the meaning of Christmas. He's just trying to, like, understand Christmas at a base level. He can, trying to understand what he feels about Christmas, not so much the meaning of Christmas, although... You could argue that's him searching for the meaning of Christmas. Yeah, because a, a good part that gets exemplified is he's trying to scientifically crack Christmas, which the meaning at the end has nothing to do with the science. And mm -hmm. it, I guess the best way to explain it is it boils down to is the reason you can easily say it either way is because it's either a, a spooky movie that's stealing tropes from Christmas movies or it's a Christmas movie using spooky aesthetics. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I just feel it's more of a spooky movie using Christmas tropes. Uh, there's just not enough of the hallmarks of uh, Christmas movies. Like, there's no like uh, people coming closer together over the course of the movie. Like, yeah, he finds out about Sally, but even that's really played down. It's in the last scene he finally acknowledges Sally as another being who he can have yeah. a conversation with, mm -hmm. and that he just says hello, and then the movie kind of cuts yeah. away. And even the climax, the penultimate scene of the movie, happened in Halloween Town in spooky Oogie Boogie's torture room. Yeah. And there's nothing nothing Christmassy about that except well they had the to fact, save Santa. Well, yeah, Santa is the only Christmassy thing murder. there. True. 
who absolutely commits murder. Um, other fun thing I want to point out about dates in this movie. We know of three specific dates that happen in this movie. The very first day of the movie, uh, the very first opening scene is it's the end of Halloween. Uh, we know that the movie ends on Christmas. There's one other specific date we're given, which is right when they start singing Making Christmas and talking about how they're redoing Christmas in their own fashion. Uh, we see a sign that counts down the number of days to Halloween, which they're covering up with a sign that now counts down the number of days till Christmas. And on that sign, it says 36 days till Christmas. Now, that might seem like a very uh, like uninformed date, and it's just a random number they chose. However, that means nothing to us right here in the moment, but the day we release this podcast, so the day that you're presumably listening to this, if you listen to it the day it comes out, is 36 days before Christmas. We release this on November 18th, 36 days later is Christmas. Of course, we're all very cutting, charismatic stallions that plan that this 100%. Out. Definitely, definitely. We didn't choose Nightmare Before Christmas like the week before <laughs> no we very clearly have been planning this for months we even chose to have our release schedule come out on monday so that it would be 36 days that's why we planned to start this podcast last year so we would get to this very point for this very specific monday <laughs> yeah this was all very specifically planned out you're now aware of our plan and we will accept applause which i promise we will hear when you applaud. So, so just be ready, because from this point on, we actually are not planning anything. Yeah, so we're just making it up as we go after this. We were originally planning on stopping here, but we've been having so much fun otherwise. <laughs> we've decided we have to keep going now, even though our plan has come to fruition. For all three of our fans. Koi, Katie, and was there anyone else? Oh, Hannah, who keeps emailing us about Mothman. Oh, our three fans. I don't know if she's a fan, but... A listener. All three of our listeners. She might be a Mothman devotee that's just trying to get us into the cult. She might be the reason he was around here, I guess. Uh, also, we can't forget Greg. Oh, of course, Greg. So we have four, four listeners. Oh my God, guys. We're officially outnumbered by our listeners. Uh, let's just say we're kind of internet famous. Yeah. People know us. Yeah. We get stopped on the street for jaywalking. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys do. I don't jaywalk. You know, you just get stopped by the bus not picking you up. All right. So, uh, it's time for everyone's favorite time of day we haven't had one of these in a while but we're gonna do a peter game so do you have a jingle nope that's something else Uh, (laughs) (laughs) jingle pending i'll have a jingle eventually i promise okay i'll come up with one now i'm a creative individual we should probably establish this now what is the punishment for losing that is a fantastic question because i think everyone wants to know what matt's gonna have to suffer for yeah, what am I going to suffer next? So, I think, when's our next episode? Uh, going to be the first week of December? Yes. I just got my taste back. I don't want to eat another pepper. It, I'm not going to make you lose your taste for all of December. Jesus, that was a long time, Matthew. <laughs> I think our punishment should be uh, that little musical jingle that we do every uh, at the intro of every episode. We need to come up with a Christmas-themed one okay. for the month of Christmas. I think whoever... Uh, loses this one is gonna have to do a caroling themed version of our christmas our intro and maybe it'll work out maybe it won't but we'll see we'll see what happens <laughs> all right so whoever's gonna have to put christmas lyrics to our <laughs> to our jingle <laughs> okay so uh this uh song this game is going to be complete the lyric so we've already discussed this is a semi-musical there's lots of fantastic songs throughout this movie so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna read the first half of the lyric I'm going to leave in a specific number of blanks, and you're going to have to 
write down the words that fill those blanks. If you get it exactly right, you get a point. If neither one of you gets it exactly right, whoever gets closer gets a point. Cool? Sure. All right. So our first lyric comes from Halloween Town, the opening song of the movie. Uh, and here is the line. It goes, I am the clown with the tearaway face here in a flash and blank, 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 blank. Four blanks. Once again, I am the clown with the tearaway face here in a flash and blank, 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 blank. Do you guys both have an answer written down? Yep. Yep. What do you got? Gone without a trace? Vanished without a trace. The answer's gone without a trace. Oh, yes. That gets a point. So happy because that was one of the lines in the movie that I could not, I could not identify what was being said. All right. Our next line comes from uh, Jack's Lament. Okay. Uh, so this is the song where he's sad and singing about how he's the king of Christmas. Uh, sorry, the king of Halloween and doesn't know what's left in his life. So the line is to a man in Kentucky. I'm blank blank and I'm known throughout England and France. To a man I'm in Kentucky, I'm blank blank, and I'm known throughout England and France. What name is he known by to the man in Kentucky? Alright, do you guys both have answers? Sure. What do you got, Matt? Quite lucky. Unlucky. Uh, it's specifically Mr. Unlucky, yeah. but uh, Keith, you're closer, so there you go. Uh, next up we oh, have yeah. a line from What's This? So for those of you keeping score at home... Is it just What's This? Is that going to be the line? <laughs> Uh, we're currently tied one point to one point. Blank, 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 blank. <laughs> blank, 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 blank. <laughs> Which part of the song am I saying? Well, that wasn't the What's This. Uh, what's This? <laughs> that was the, I think that was the Animaniacs song. Uh, what's This? There are children throwing snowballs instead of blank, blank. What's This? What's This? Oh, wait, no, that, that tune you did earlier was uh, They Fight, They Fight. They Fight, They Fight, They Fight. The Itchy and Scratchy that's Show. That's the tune you were doing. <laughs> Quite likely. I, I guess I'm completely wrong, but I also have mine. What do you got, Matt? Pulling hair. Throwing heads. Throwing heads. Throwing is heads. I knew it was this? something to do with heads. There are children throwing snowballs instead of throwing heads. Great. Fantastic yeah. line. So it's currently two to one for Keith. Hey. Next up, we have Jack's obsession. This is when he becomes so utterly focused on Christmas and trying to understand it. So talking about the idea of Christmas, he says... Through my bony fingers, it does slip like a snowflake, blank, 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 blank. Four blanks after like a snowflake. You repeat the line? Yes. Possibly sing it. Through my bony fingers, it does slip like a snowflake, blank, 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 blank. I don't remember the exact tune of that part of the song, so no, I cannot sing it. That was one of the less standout songs for me, so I can't even remember the tune the song had at all. Through my bony fingers, it does slip like a snowflake. Probably the wrong tune entirely. You know what? I'll, I'll give you the first two words of the four blanks for free because it's in a. Like a snowflake in a blank blank. Slides through his grip. Through my bony fingers, it does slip. Does slip. Like a snowflake in a blank blank. I got nothing. All right. Keith, what's your guess? My grip. Close. It's through a fiery grip. Okay. Oh. Uh, I'll be honest, Matt. The fact that you said grip there is what clued me. is like, grip. That might be oh. it. It rhymes with slip. All right, and then uh, the last one. Hopefully you get at least one of the two blanks right, because I unintentionally said it earlier while talking about the movie. Uh, see how I transform the old rat into a most blank blank. Well, I know I've got the second word. <laughs> I fucking hope so. Uh, could you repeat it again? Uh, see how I transform the old rat 
Into a Most Blank Blank. Oh, okay. It's from Making Christmas, where they're singing about how they're doing Christmas their way. Everyone have your answers? Yes. Matt, sure. what do you got? A most stunning hat. Delightful hat. It is delightful, delightful. hat. <laughs> Keith wins! A stunning... Reverse sweep! Woof! A stunning loss for me. Alright, so Matt, you're going to have to figure out how to tune a Christmas carol to our intro. Fantastic. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> you have two weeks. Or may, mm. may, may, maybe four maybe, weeks. Uh, maybe yeah. give you 48 <laughs> hours. <laughs> you got enough time that we have it for at least our Christmas episode of the podcast, which we may or may not do. Who knows? We don't plan that far out. We only plan out to this exact moment and no further. There's not enough time. All right. Uh, you guys got anything else you want to talk about with regards to Nightmare Before Christmas? No, I think I we talked about most of the interesting <laughs> stuff so far. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm spent. All right, uh, so thank you all so very much for listening. Uh, as a reminder, our podcast can be found on all major podcasting services, so Google Play, Apple, Spotify, everything you can do. Uh, make sure you tune in two weeks from now to find out what our next episode was about. Uh, remember to email us if you have any ideas about what our podcast could be about or any corrections you want to give us. Uh, and also make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. Liking and commenting is really helpful. It lets us know what we're doing wrong. And if you don't su- subscribe, you won't catch them all. Uh, to clarify, by catching them all, I mean you won't catch all of our episodes. That's good, because with you, it could be a few other things. Yeah. You won't catch all <laughs> no, of no. the episodes. <laughs> gotta catch them all, guys. You gotta catch all of those episodes of the podcast. 